of all the fights where I fought near perfect performances, not even a nick, not even a touch. That's not the one that stands out in your mind. The one that stands out in your mind is when I got popped and dropped and got back up. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Low Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today I'm joined by the double champ of the BKFC cruiserweight light heavyweight, the juggernaut himself, Lorenzo Hunt. Lorenzo, how you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me, bro. Doing well. I'm doing well. I have to call you, sir, because I want to keep all of my teeth. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're good. You got nice ones, too. <laughs> hey, listen. Yeah, yeah. I just got them done. So, you know, I'm trying to keep them. You know what I'm saying? First question I wanted to ask you right off the rip. When did you first get into a fight ever in your life? Hey, honestly, I don't even remember being like the run of the family. uh, My dad's got five sisters and they all got sons and they're all older and bigger than me. I don't think I remember my first physical confrontation. Do you think you won? I I know I was pretty scrappy. There you go. There you go. Were you always drawn to fighting as a kid? Was it something that came natural to you? I want to say no, but I think I'd be lying. I did get in a lot of trouble for fighting. I did get in trouble in school. I was a handful. I really had like a no nonsense. I was a, I guess I I say a little bit of a weird kid. You know, I sucked my thumb. I had, I had uh, this weird apparatus in my mouth. I wore glasses. So I'd say I was picked on a lot. So I would fight and I could fight. So people would, would kind of pick on me and, and, and try to uh, single me out. And that would be one of my triggers. I'd usually probably, get in trouble that day. I hear, you. I hear you. Yeah, trust me. You know, I was a class clown too. So what I do, I'm a stand-up comedian. So what I do is like, you know, kind of my childhood kind of was my first stage. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first stage. No, I understand you. Yeah. So basically, yeah, anybody who knew me then would still recognize me now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So you said, uh, you know, you come from a big family, right? Yeah. What was like the sense of like competition in the family? Not even like obviously physical. I'm just saying in terms of the in-house competition, was it a competitive household? Yeah, I think so. I'm the oldest son from my immediate family. So I'm kind of like the big brother. My father was like, is really he was super cool and um and taught me martial arts. So he was more like my big brother than yeah. my dad. It's a real, like a real jovial stance to like raising me. And even though he could be a disciplinarian, he was a lot of fun to have as a dad. So yeah, it was a lot of competition, a lot of games, a lot of prove yourself moments, you know, that kind of made me me. I'm good at everything. I tell people that and it's not an exaggeration. I'm literally, I'm good at everything. I love that. Were you always confident? Oh, maybe in my physical abilities. Yeah. But probably not so much in my, you know, as my social I have social anxieties, probably still have some to today. I was like that too. I kind of acted out as a kid myself because I was socially uncomfortable in situations. 
you know, I, I wanted people to like me. So I felt like, oh, if I can make them laugh, they'll like me and I'll be like less anxious. I think there's a lot of kids going through that because uh, same thing for me. We moved a lot. And I say I'm good at everything because I had to be kind of a chameleon. I had to show off. So everywhere yeah. I went, show off. I made friends and I made enemies, too. But uh, that comes with the territory. I hear you. So, you know, growing up in competitive households, a little bit about my background. My dad's an old school Italian guy. My mom's an old school Puerto Rican woman. So, you know, we didn't really talk about mental health much in the house. Was there any yeah. mental health kind of talks when you were going through shit? Because I know when I got picked on, my dad told me, hey, listen, you might have to hit him back. But that, that was about it. There wasn't much talk about mental health at all in my house. Yeah, same here. When you come from the struggle, so to speak, you know, it's all about get up and work. Be the first there and the last one to go to sleep and just, you know, tough it out. Don't complain. Stick it out. Not a whole lot of time for, for mental things. I lost a sister and my mother. That was the first time I ever seen somebody literally have like a mental breakdown and, and yeah. take a, a mental space from the world, you know, take a, a time out. And she she clocked out for a while, you know, after after I lost my sister. It was hard, you know. That was a hell of a thing to see because my mom is like super hard work ethic every day, you know, 16 hour days. She's a nurse. She never complains, never makes excuses. But yeah, when I lost my baby sister, she just she just zoned out. So mental health is definitely, definitely, definitely important. No matter what your job is, you know, the mental aspect is the I, honestly the 90 percent of it. The rest is physical, but you have to have your mentals together in order to get up and do the the remedial tasks. Absolutely. You know, there's a big correlation between mental health and physical health, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Even with the fighter game and like this whole uh, fighter life, there isn't a whole lot of mental, I'll say, help with uh, mental issues and psychological evaluations or any of those type of things when it comes to being a fighter. There isn't anyone testing you to see, you know, if you're suicidal or if you're if you just had it and you sign up for a fight. Now you get in there and, you, you know, you don't want to go down. And I think that we really should take into consideration the mental health of our of our athletes a little bit more. Do you think that uh, fighters should be evaled like a, an evaluation before they even get into fighting? It's a hard subject to calculate. I say we should at least be thinking about it because. How do you quantify that? How do you put that together? You know, a person has to be a little bit different in order to fight anyway. Yeah. So got to be a little bit crazy to be in there, you know, fighting like that, especially nowadays. Yeah. But I will say this. Maybe we should we should consider a person's past history. Maybe if they have a history of mental illness and stuff like that. I think that that should definitely come into play when these organizations are looking for providers. I commend you for coming on the show because you're at the top of your sport. You know what I mean? And it's uh, it's hard to see people at the top of their sports really come forward and want to be able to talk about something that still has a stigma attached to it, especially amongst men and, and men of color as well. Yeah, I'll give you an example of what I mean. In this fight right here with Mike Richmond, I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if you guys Dude, can see it. I was watching it. Right. Mike Richmond was later cleared. And he fought again. He fought Dave Mundell for the 175 title. He was physically clear, but was he mentally clear? You mm. could tell that there had been some residual effect from that massive knockout. And I don't think there's any 
psychological evaluation to determine whether or not a person is mentally fit to fight, not just physically fit, you know? Yeah, because you hear about training camp and it's like people, yo, I went to Big Bear for two months. And it's like, you know, maybe you should bring a therapist up there too. I never really thought about that. Yeah, I mean, something was missing and you could see it in his performance. You don't want to get out there and realize, oh my God, this guy wasn't ready. You don't want to realize that while some other guys bashing your face in and, you know what I mean, and yeah. ripping pieces off your body. The thing that is so crazy for me to understand is like, you guys are just completely different built people. So like that, that's why it'd be hard to assess. It's like, all right, you got to be a little bit, you know, off your rocker to get in there. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm a solid guy in uh, building up your physical and in a way is building up the mental too. You know, strong people that are physically really strong, they're strong mentally too. But that's not what I'm saying. Those mental laps or mental breaks or depression or things like that will completely nullify your physical. You know what I mean? You can be the strongest guy in the world if you're having a bad day and don't want to get up out of the bed today. You physically can't get up. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't something that was near and dear to me at first, but uh, I championed the National Alliance to End Veteran Suicide, and uh, I donate money to their cause, and we accept donations. And I have a form on my website, www.juggernauthunt.com, where people can go and talk, and they can write me letters about their battle with suicide. You know, because like I said, it doesn't matter how strong you are once you become your own enemy in here. It just doesn't matter anymore. And so after reading some of those letters and seeing what some of the people are going through, it just became apparent to me that this is something that has to be taken into consideration. You know, mental health, it just has to be looked at. We just have to figure out some, I don't care if it's IQ tests or uh, it's something. We have to check this off because a uh, reflex test and an eye test and a blood test. And so, okay, you're cleared to fight. There's more to it than that. It's cliche, but I've heard it a lot. It's the loneliest sport in the world, you know? And for you, you ever get depressed after a win? I wouldn't say depressed, but I will say that's the most emotional you'll ever see me. Mm-hmm. It's right after I win. I'm not in general an emotional person, but like I said, right after a win, those that where it all comes down, where it all just finally hits me that all those months and months and months and years of preparation, all the doubt, all the self-doubt, all of the beating yourself down and building yourself back up, it does crash. And even hurting the other guy. I don't like hurting people. And to look down and see my opponent like that struggling for his life, I take no joy in that. You know what I mean? It hurts me too. Like When I hit you, I feel it. I yeah. feel it. I wouldn't say depressed. But there's something. Like that adrenaline dump. Nah, I wouldn't say just an adrenaline dump. Adrenaline dump is different. I yeah, would yeah. say a full-on emotion dump, like a full-on outpouring of, of the most basic fundamental emotions that you can imagine from this big bad fighter who just won the fight of his life and now yeah. he's throwing a ball, you know, feeling bad for his opponent. That's something yeah. different. When I went into the psych ward for my uh, suicidal ideations, I was there for 72 hours. I just wanted help so bad that when I got it, that I had that breakdown of all those emotions, like of what I was building up going into the hospital. 
And there's been times where I've come off stage and I've cried when I've come off stage and I've been like, oh, I was like, what the hell is going on? But it, it's one of those things you put so much into a performance. You want to give your best performance on any given night. The next question I wanted to ask you is for your journey, obviously, as BKFC is taking off, you know what I mean? Like BKFC is getting bigger and bigger with every event that they have. You guys put on great shows. It's an amazing organization for you. How did you have to kind of switch mentally to throwing bare knuckles instead of having hands on wraps and shit? Well, the ideal of a fight, like you said, is so far from the normal thought process of a normal human being who goes to work, fixes things. You never really have that impending physical violence. Never. Feeling. You know, you never have that feeling where someone is about to try to hurt you. It's different in fighting, whether it be boxing or MMA or anything. I've become accustomed to that feeling. I know what it feels like when somebody's going to try to hurt me. It doesn't matter if you put on gloves, if you're going to try to hurt me. It doesn't matter if it's a pillow fight. If you're going to try to hurt me, I'm used to that feeling. So I didn't switch anything when it came to bare knuckles. It didn't change a thing for me. I was already used to people trying to hit me. I was already used to people trying to hurt me. It doesn't matter if it was a stick a brick, a bat, gloves, MMA gloves, kicks. It doesn't matter how you try to hurt someone. It's going to hurt. See yeah. what I'm saying? I never registered. I never registered that, oh, this guy has a gloves on when he tries to punch me. I just register what's necessary in order to avoid the punch. It doesn't matter if, it, if he has a knife in his hand. I'm still going to make the same move that I would if he, if he had a glove or if he just had a regular fist. I'm going to protect myself. So I know that that's the aspect and people kind of think about it like, oh, my God, bare knuckles different. Bare knuckles different. A punch is a punch. I wouldn't want to get hit with anything, to be honest with you. Right. That's what I'm saying. Never seen a boxer, like, oh, you know, oh, you got punched in the face. That's OK. It didn't hurt. It wasn't bare knuckle. What? <laughs> yeah, go in there and get punched around a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what's a thing about you that you love the most? And what's a thing about you that you dislike the most? They're one in the same. Mm. I am generous and considerate to a fault. Sometimes I'm overly generous. Sometimes I'm overly considerate. Sometimes I'm overly empathetic. And mm. like I said, even when I said I can feel my, my opponent's pain when I hit him, I hurt too. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I wish I could separate the two and just let a win be a win. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's not like that for me. Sometimes it's the simplest things, you know, but I, I feel everything and uh, it helps me at times, but sometimes it hurts me. Would you say that that's the biggest misconception of Lorenzo Hunt, not the juggernaut, like Lorenzo Hunt, the man? People forget that it's a business. You know what I mean? It's a business. Well, no, I'm not acting, though. No, so I know you're not. The thing about it is the Lorenzo Hunt that you know from TV or from fighting, right? That's not the guy that you will meet. That's not the guy that would, would push your car if it broke down. That's not the guy that would. That's the guy that someone's trying to hurt. Yeah. The guy that you see on TV is the guy that someone signed up to hurt me. He's not supposed to be the guy that will fix your tire. He's not supposed to be the guy that plays with his kids. He's not supposed to be the guy that, you know, that shakes your hand and will help you up the mountain. He's supposed to be exactly what he is. The juggernaut, self-preservation. 
number one. I have to make it home to my children. I have to make it home to my wife. You know what I mean? And uh, if it's me or you, I pick me. I want to run, run through and, a fucking wall right now. <laughs> and, I, hey, and I'll cry about it later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'll be like, dude, you won tonight. You're like, I know, dude. Just let me get crying. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me <laughs> uh, see, because you want to know what it is. It's your profession is still one of the most rare professions on earth, really. Because, you know, I think of sport when people think of sports, they think of, you know, team sports, these solo sports. And uh, I watched your interview on uh, Math Hoffa show. Great interview. Are you that naturally like paranoid as like you were talking about through life all the time? Or is it when you turn that switch on the fight? That like the level of paranoia comes in, like I don't want to touch anybody's hands on on the way to the cage or or on the way to the ring. It's a little bit of both, but I'm not like that. You know, I like the hypochondriac, like the type of person. Yeah, I yeah. remember the, the game show. He used to wear gloves all the time, and he didn't want to touch any, shake anybody's hands. Howie Mandel. Oh yeah, no, I'm not like that. But coming from where I'm from, I will say I've seen some of the ugly side of people. Period. So I don't know if you noticed that when we're doing this interview, I keep looking. Yeah. I don't like when people get behind me. I don't like when people get yeah, yeah. I'm a little paranoid. I don't really like that word. You know what I mean? Paranoid. Because it's careful. I'm being careful. I've seen the real moments where a perfectly calm situation turned into the wildest violent moment you've ever seen in your life. And I don't want to be caught off guard. So me not want to be caught off guard or me being scared that someone's going to cheat me or trick me when I've been cheated and tricked all my life. You can call it paranoia. I call it being prepared. Yes. I see what you're saying, man. Dude, I could barely like go to Whole Foods by myself. I can't even imagine having to go and do that walk and do that. You know what I mean? It, the, the amount of respect I show for you guys is at next level. Another question that I wanted to ask you is, What's your first meal after a fight? Are you even hungry after a fight? Not generally. No, I just need my girl. That's it. I just need her. Yeah, yeah I get you. I get you. I hear you. Like I just need like the soft touch, like a, to bring me back to the regular world. I just yeah. need a hug. You know what I mean, I need a hug. I need that somebody to look at me and not see a monster. Yeah, and then I, so I can come back. <laughs> would you say you're more of a lover than a fighter as long as i'm not fighting yeah until i start fighting yeah i say that yes i'm a very gentle soul bro like i don't i don't like blood i don't like violence i don't like craziness i'm good at fighting hmm. understand it's no different to me it's no different than well why does lebron play basketball he's good at it he's yes. just good he's a natural I'm a natural. If you try to hit me, I move. If you try again, you might not wake up. That's just. I've seen it. Trust me. <laughs> I've seen it. Do you try to keep inside of, you know, it's a mixed martial art. So you have people that say, oh, it's a mixed martial art. There has to be respect between opponents. What's your kind of thought of that? Do you always respect your opponent? Do you have some guys where you're like, I don't respect this guy. I want to take his fucking head off. No, no. I respect everybody. I truly do. What you will run into is this mirrored aggression. Mm. You know, you ever seen a dog look in the mirror and go crazy? Yeah, about 10 minutes ago, my dog, yeah. 
Yeah. So what happens is these guys don't respect me and they will get the mirror of however deep their hatred is, however nasty their disrespect is, however silly it is. They will get that back in return. And you will see me. I will amplify any bit of energy that you give me. If you show me love, I'll amplify that. Mm. If you show me hate, I'll amplify that. If you disrespect me, I'll slap you in your mouth on stage in front of your wife, children, and we'll be on TMZ talking about it. Don't disrespect me. It's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that might, that might be the hardest ever. I've done this show, to be honest. But I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I, I know you are. That's why it's funny. I, I can't even really control that. Whatever you get, if you walk up to me, you say, oh, I shake my hand. You say, oh, oh Mr. Hunt, I'm a big fan, blase, blase. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. That's what you're going to get. But if you try to be a dog, if you go back and watch the Chris Camozzi weigh-ins, we were cordial. Yeah. No, that was Joe Riggs. Chris Camozzi. Joe Riggs. Last. Joe Riggs, yeah. Chris Camozzi was my last fight. He yes. gave me no calls to act out. Right. He respected me. I respected him. Those other fights, go watch the road to BKFC. Go watch how nasty Hector Lombard was towards me. He started all of that drama. Go watch well, how... He's, known, he's known for that. He's known for that. Go watch how dismissive and disrespectful Mike Richmond was and Joe Riggs was and Quentin Henry was. They were so disrespectful. It's like, bro, I'm the champ. You want to be the champ, but you don't respect my, my path? Okay, I'm giving back whatever they gave me. But the people who are respectful towards me, you're going to get it back. Amplify. So gangster. I remember even on the on the Math Hoppa show, Cleveland is not like, you know, a place that you even like like to go visit. You said you don't even want to go back for a funeral, right? Do you think you'll ever kind of make peace with Ohio? Is that something that you you might want to do just for your own mental health to be like, I don't want to hate Ohio as much as I do. Like, maybe you'll have some closure with the state. I don't hate Ohio. Yeah. I had a, a run of bad luck that cost me a lot of my life. And when I moved to Florida, I met people who were like-minded. It was okay to be great. It was okay to shake hands and be nice. And mm. Cleveland, not okay to say good morning. It's not okay to be nice. It's not okay to smile. I don't want to be anywhere where it's not okay to smile. I hear you. you. Know I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want the other me, the juggernaut, to be predominantly me. And that's what it feels like. I see. It's okay to be a lover. It's okay to be nice. It's okay to cut the grass. When I cut my grass, I cut my neighbor's grass. She, they've never asked me to cut their grass. They've never said, can you cut our grass? <laughs> but they didn't make me feel weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's okay. Well, they I'm, saw you and they were like, yo, we're just going to keep letting them cut the grass. We can't tell them nothing. But I might get shot. Yeah. In, in Florida. In Cleveland. No, Cleveland too, yeah. We're, we're cutting somebody up this grass without asking. <laughs> it's just a totally different, a totally different feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. I get that. I get that. I don't know. Maybe it's gotten better over the years. I haven't been back since 2010. If there was a fight there, would you? and they wanted to put you on the car, would you fight there? 
Yeah, I go back because that's my job. That's yeah. what I do. I travel state to state teaching people why I'm the champ. I have family there and they love me and they miss me. And what I try to do is I'll send tickets when they express that they miss me. You know, I'll yeah. say, hey, come to Florida is something new. You know, why go to the past? Why not come to something new? But for right now, you know, I've seen so much senseless violence. I've seen so much nonsense. I've seen too many winners. I don't like the snow. I hear you. It's snowing in New York right now. I didn't know I had a choice. 70 degrees year round versus I didn't know I had a choice. When I got in the floor, I got a choice. I can I can pick the summer. That's it. Yeah, um, well, you have the opportunity. I hear you 100 percent. When did you really start focusing a little bit internally? Not as much as, you know, I know growing up for me is like when I was tell my family, like, yo, I'm a little sad right now. They'd be like, yo, like, stop being a bitch. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't be a pussy, bro. Like, let's figure this out. At one point, I feel like in every man's life, they kind of have that conversation with themselves where they're kind of afraid to like tell their boys like, yo, like I'm really going through something right now. At what age did you start to feel like I need to be more expressive about what's going on with me? Shit, I don't think I mastered that part yet. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's a really good starting point, though. I don't really talk a lot and I don't really because my father's like that, you know, yeah. my father. This guy's never been sick, never been sad. I've never seen him cry. I've never seen him in the hospital. I've never seen him fart. I've never seen him call a day off. Yeah, I've never, right. dude's like a robot. So it's hard to watch that and then to be anything, to try to be anything but that. Sometimes people that I've been told that I'm emotionless, you know what I mean? I just try to learn how to express, you know, my feelings or whatever. Recently, like I said, especially with my girl, she she's helped me a lot with that, you know, make it okay not to seem like, you know, that it's not it's not anything like, you know, you're not a bitch. You just fought the the hardest fight on the biggest stage of the in the like just because you, well, you just did the biggest non-bitch thing of all time. Yeah, like <laughs> what are you talking about? Like that don't make you a, a, a bitch because you cry, you know what I mean? That don't make you, you know, cause you're sad. That's not true. And we've been misinformed. So plus. It's okay if I'm sad. You know, you can't whoop my ass. So you can call me a bitch, but you can't whoop my ass. So if you catch me sad or crying or whatever, like, I don't think it's a bad idea to call me a bitch. Like, yeah, we're going to ignore that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just having a moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo, you got to let him cry right now. Don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pick with me after my fight sometime. After the Mike Richmond fight, I was a little sad when I was giving my speech. And they were like, why are you so emotional? And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I thought he was dead. I thought I was going to hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was starched. He was starched 100%. Yeah. I thought he was dead. I know you probably don't, but I love the fact that you got knocked down in that fight. And I know you probably don't like to hear that, but here's why I want to say it. One, it wasn't me getting knocked down. But the thing is, the fact that you got knocked down and the fact that you have to recalibrate your entire body my, you have to not only your body, your mindset, figure out, oh, like strategically, how am I going to keep fighting in this fight? And to absolutely starch him within seconds after that, the adversity that you went through in about eight seconds, some of the most <laughs> wild shit I've ever seen. What's going through your mind as you got on the canvas? Here's something a little, uh, a little insight to me. Yeah. When it comes to team sports or anything like that, I don't ever really pick a side. 
If a guy shoots a good shot, I say, hell, damn, that was a good shot. If a guy scores a touchdown, I say, damn, that was a good touchdown. It doesn't matter which team do it. If the guy throws the ball and he, and he hits, like, oh, man, that was awesome. That was a great catch. I never really made that switch to become, like, biased to, right. you know, if, if my team did it, it's great. And if his team did it, it's not so great. Mike Richmond landed a nice shot. When he did it, I literally said in my head, nice shot. Uh. Instead of it being like, you know, oh, that was a shit. Oh, that was luck. Oh, it was nothing. I said to myself, shit, good shot. Caught me with my hand. That's okay. That's what's going on in my head. I said, that's okay. I'll get him back. And I got up. And after I told myself I'll get him back, I told the ref, "Yeah, I'll get him back. I'll get him back. Oh, you and said that to the ref? Said, I'll get him. No, no, no. I nodded my head like, yeah, yeah okay. Because I'm, I'm telling myself, it's okay. It's the first round. I'll get him back. And I just went and got him back. In that moment, though, like like you said, like that wave of emotions, do you feel emotional in the fight? Not at all. It's all in reserves. I don't feel none of that. Nope. No hate, no fear, no anger, no pain, no none of that. I'm minus well be a robot. How'd you learn that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it could be your dad, though, yeah, in, in, in a sense. Genetics are crazy. Yeah, maybe just from my dad. Not not even just so genetics, but just watching him. Right. How he solved problems, how he solved things, how he never let nothing really get under his skin, you know, how he handled adversity. Like I said, maybe it was just a, you know, I just watched him do it. If you look at the fights now, you'll see my dad. He's very unemotional when I come to the corner, too. Whether I'm losing or winning or whatever, he's doing the same thing he's always been doing. I tore my bicep muscle when I was oh. fighting Rock Burrow. And I came to the corner and I said, hey, dad, I just, I think I just tore my arm. And he was like, that's okay. Fight with the other one. I didn't want him to see me hurting. Yeah. Turn my back. Oh, you, know, you turned your back to him in the corner? You were like, I can't let him see me. Yeah. I just turned my back like, whatever, man. Like, <laughs> like, like whatever, dude. Like, this dude. He like, fight with the other one. Have you ever, like, been to therapy before? No. Would you would you ever like want to do it? Like if it was a sports therapist or a regular therapist? I can't see how it wouldn't help a little bit to talk about some of the the things that are swirling around in here. For the most part, my training is my therapy. Hmm. I get to do things I've never done. I get to go to Puerto Rico and climb coconut trees and drink and, and eat travel. I get to take my family places they've never been. I get to relax on the beach. This is my job. This is my day job to to travel the world and train and do things that most people can't do. So I'm actually very self-aware and I, I know when I need a break, I can express myself through my art in that way. Hmm. And when I get better and when I feel better, and when I feel sharper and I feel faster, it fixes me mentally. It's like, bro, you're great. You can do anything. You know, it's like, wow, you run up a damn mountain. And no, nothing feels better than that, you know? It's like, you know, it's okay. Everything's okay. So the whole time that I've been training and training for these fights and traveling, I've been doing mental health. That's my mental health. It's one of those things, like I said, to see somebody at the top of their sport want to be able to even come on a mental health platform and talk about and also learn on the fly. I think that's an amazing 
thing for you to be doing too, because you got to really think about it. Not a lot of men do that. Want to learn on the fly and especially somewhat in the public eye. Yeah. I think everybody needs to find one thing that they love, regardless of how anyone feels about it, regardless of popular demand or however peer pressure, you need to find one thing that you love and you need to spend a few hours a day just doing that without anyone bothering you. That's the start to your mental health. That's the start to loving yourself. That's where it starts. Find the thing that you're good at, even if you're not good at it, but you love it, do it. One thing about me is I'm I'm very jovial, playful. Like I like my kids. I like trampoline. I like to go to the park. There's a childish side to me. And being adult, an adult is so serious all the time. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's annoying as fuck. I come home from work and I just want to watch cartoons. I don't want to be serious. I don't want to watch a drama. I don't want to watch action movie. I just want to watch cartoons and laugh. I watched Family Guy for three hours yesterday. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely therapy. I love that because I tell people all the time, different strokes are different folks, right? Like sit down therapy might not be as beneficial for it's not the be all end all in fixing whatever's going on in your mind that you possibly want to fix or tend to. There's a lot of other things that go into it. You know, that's got to be a peaceful feeling to know that you've kind of found that in your life. Yeah, I've been down to the bottom in here. Yeah, it's not a pretty place. So I fight to stay above, you know, water. Like, don't even go down there. That's what yeah. I tell my people. If you got to go, don't try not to go way down there where your enemy lives. Because we all have an enemy inside of us. You can be locked in a room all by yourself and still not be safe. Yeah. That's not cool. You need to figure out how to recognize that. So you can train for that fight because there's going to come a day in everybody's life where the enemy in you tells you to quit, tells you to give up, tells you the world to be a better place without you, tells you that you don't want to be here. And you're going to have to kick his ass or you gone. We're all fighting a fight in a sense, as cliche as it is, especially when you become an adult. It's like, God damn, dude. You know? <laughs> It never stops. Yeah, it never stops. You're fighting for your fucking life out here. From the outside and from the inside. Absolutely. So now this is your dream job, right? What's the worst job you ever had in your life? Man, I have so many. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you what my fucking worst job ever was. I worked in a sub-zero freezer at a place called Stu Leonard's. Uh, (laughs) That's hell. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. I didn't pass the test to drive the forklift. So I had to be standing in there for nine hours a day, pulling fish and fucking crab legs and shit. I was in sub zero degree weather for nine hours a day. Yeah. No, nah, that's, that's not the business. I worked a few rough ones, but uh, I think working at the garbage company at the dump. Oh, I think that was, that was pretty rough. What was like your regular day? You probably just come home smelling like shit. Every day, just what we were doing was separating the bio waste from the from the yeah. recycling. Because, you know, some people, they throw their garbage in with the recyclable. When you get <laughs> the, you don't now. <laughs> nah. When you get to the place, they throw all the bags on there, all the bags dump out, and you got to make sure it's no 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another, another messed up job I had was I used to work at a tool and die company where they machine press car parts. Oh, that was no shit. And every once in a while, those machines gunk up with the uh, hydro, whatever that is in there. It's like a thick, red, nasty, gunky stuff. And you have to climb down inside the machine and clean it with kerosene and a bucket, a scrub brush. So you climb down inside the machine and you have to clean the gears with kerosene. And yeah, a you're knocking yourself out doing that. Killing yourself, bro. Killing. Come home. So like, listen, the funniest part about this job was people would go outside for a smoke break. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they come back as a mini volcano. Oh, oh my God. I'm like, bro, you sure you would? I'm like, yeah. you sure about that? I said, these dudes' lungs are toast. At that point, do you ever look back on those days and just like kind of like, God damn, I came a long way. Yeah. Every day I'm enjoying living. I'm enjoying loving my family. I'm enjoying the journey, being a gym owner in Jacksonville, training young men and women to be the best they can be, passing down my knowledge and basically mastering the fundamentals in order to make myself stronger as well as make other people stronger. It's not just a dream job. It's a dream life, you know, yeah. to have the respect of the world, to go to these different stadiums in different cities that I've never even been and to be recognized by thousands of people. People run to me. They bring their children to me. They want to take pictures with me. They want to stand next to me. And it's surreal. Mm. I appreciate the love. And like I said, coming from where I came, from it couldn't be sweeter i always tell people especially people that uh you know we get to live kind of unorthodox lives you know like i get to travel the world and do stand-up and it's like you know i get imposter syndrome sometimes do you ever get imposter syndrome at all uh, somebody mentioned it to me and i didn't know what it was so i had to look it up i love it um, i love that you're learning on the fly like this dude yeah, yeah, yeah. i would say my only example of imposter syndrome because I've been through hell in this life, you got to understand I, I've never looked at another man and didn't think that this was, this could go either way. I can't even imagine that, to be honest. But at the same time, when I'll call it imposter syndrome, when I look at my opponent and he's so confident that he can beat me that I start to believe him. I start to think, like, well, damn, you know, maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe I'm not that tough. Like, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. What you, yeah, you start but, doubting yourself, that, that self-doubt a little bit. It's like, you might got to know something I don't. But it's still, like, what's his secret? Like, what did he yeah. see? I'll go back and watch the fight to see what he saw, you know. But then when I start training and when I start moving and when I start doing my thing, nah, he's the imposter. It clicks. I ain't never pretended nothing in my life. So yeah. you're faking. <laughs> and then as soon as we clash in that ring, you can tell who's pretending and who's not. I want to talk about your wife because you're an intense dude. She's kind of that, that middle ground and kind of brings you down, right? Has there like any time where you kind of realize, because even with my wife, I'm like, I know I can't say this to my wife because it's just not going to go well for me. And she brings me down because, you know, I, I have bipolar disorder type two and I have like these manias where like 
I'm the happiest person in the whole world, but it's like overly happy. I'll write a joke while I'm in mania and think it's the funniest joke that I've ever heard. And then I'll read it the next day. Bar laughing. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I'll read it the next day. I'm like, yo, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but when you're at that high of mania is um, that, that human touch that you talk about is so important. It really is. It can really bring you down just to level you out. But besides that, are there any other hobbies that the juggernaut has? We roller skate. Me, my whole family, my mother and father, my dad, my, my girl, my my kids, everybody. We roller skate on the weekend. You're nice with it. I'm nice with it. You ain't did your research. Huh? Yeah, I'll see. I gotta see this. I'll see some clips. You're gonna crack up laughing like, Holy oh shit. my god, I'm looking at it right now, dude. But yeah, I roller skate. I'm really good. Like I said, I like to play with the kids. Basically, I got a dog. I got a Rottweiler. She's super gentle and super friendly, and she just loves all over me. Every time I walk in the house, she goes crazy. I got two dogs, so I know they're the best. It's the simple life for me. As far as my girl, man, my wife, she's mastered me to a certain extent. You know, she she knows just how to turn up with me when I want to turn up, when I'm in my mania, so to speak. Yeah, she'll, yeah, yeah. she'll go right with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah then, listen, have a partner in crime is always great, too. Yeah, yeah. And then when she when she wants to turn me down, she knows just how to do it. And I'll be sleep like a baby. <laughs> Trust me, man. It's so crazy how somebody who's not related to us by blood, we fall in love with them. It's weird how we find these people who aren't related to us by blood or, or anything at all. And they fit so well into our lives. And every relationship needs work, right? Everything's a job, you know, when you get older, that part of adulting. I always think about that. I'm like, yeah, like this person just was born, was raised by other people in the universe. And we just happened to come together and it just fit and meshed so well. We talk about it all the time. How in the world, like I, I remind her sometimes and she'll remind me, the odds of us being born in two different cities Two different days going all this lifetime, right turn, left turn, up, down, here, there, that school, this place, and then somehow finding each other. It's impossible. It's incredible to think about. I'm a spiritual dude, you know what I mean? And I have those moments where I'm just like, I don't know, the universe is kind of crazy. Like for yeah. like the way like everything works out. Everything works out. That's why uh it's very, very important to me that we give people the chance to see tomorrow like it's just a moment where you think you should take your own life or hurt yourself once you get past that moment you will be fine putting things in place to help people get through those moments and like another thing too in your business not like team sports like a loss in a regular season it's just like ah oh, like you know we play again on thursday a loss is make or break in that business. The whole life is hanging in the balance. I lost to Gustavo Trujillo when I was on my run in Bare Knuckle when I first started. That's and, in 2020, right? Yeah. And I feel like I still to today feel like I was cheated, like I wasn't given a fair shake. You know, it's a cut lip and bare knuckle. But just like I shook off the Mike Richmond knockdown. They stopped my fight. They waved it off. They was like, oh, it's a doctor stoppage. There was so much confusion about why you stopped my fight. You know, I went and I told myself, it's all right. I'll be back. I'll show them. I'll show the world. Because 
even when I lose, I learn. When I win, I learn. Every day I learned, I learned how to learn. I learned how I learned. And that's my secret. I learned how I learned. Once you got that, you can learn anything. You can learn how to get back up and throw the punch to save the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think a lot of people have to learn, like you said, learn how to learn. You have to realize, I don't know everything yeah. about myself. There's things about myself I still don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 35. I still need to learn about myself. And I think the willingness to be like, listen, I don't know everything. Don't know everything. Is the greatest key for everyone. Yeah, and you don't, don't got to be perfect. Some of the world's biggest and brightest and most amazing things that exist on this planet was a mistake. Yeah. That wasn't the goal. That was a byproduct. That was a mistake. That was a miss. And even your misses can be wonderful. Like you said. Of all the fights where I fought near perfect performances, not even a nick, not even a touch, that's not the one that stands out in your mind. The one that stands out in your mind is when I got popped and dropped and got back up. Even a mistake can be great. First of all, just thank you for spending this time with me. It's uh, honestly, it's been real influential. I'm actually going to go exercise after this, after talking to you. <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> I haven't done that. that. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you stronger. And like I say, if we do have to leave in, let, leave this stuff with anybody, leave something with any with you guys. It's just like, hey, you know, go for a walk. Walk yeah. it off. Work out a little bit. Go grab a basketball and just walk and dribble it or learn a new task or juggle or just go do something. When you're feeling down, just go walk it off. It'll fix itself. Yeah, it's a good start. You know what I mean? Everybody needs a starting point. And I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people is to start. Get a gym membership, you know. Go swimming. You know, when's the last time you've been swimming? You know, only when I'm in Florida. You see what I mean? Do do something different. You know, try something. You know, it'll get better. Let me ask you this. I know in your business, it's kind of like day to day training and fight to fight. Where do you see yourself five years from now? President of the United States of America. I love it. <laughs> Let me tell you, just off fear alone, you got my vote. So I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> nah, seriously, though. I'm looking to buy a bigger property for my family, open another gym, um, kind of doing a franchise type of thing. I have really humble goals. I'll probably be retired. I'll be retired as one of the best bare knuckle fighters that ever did it. That's even if you retired on the show right now. Yeah. I mean, like, it's going to be amazing to be managing fighters. I'll still be traveling. My family will still be traveling the world and visiting and doing these fights, doing motivational speeches and telling the world that, you know, telling people that they can do it too. It's easy for me. It's my five years can be the next five days can be the next. I'm chugging along, just we're doing things one thing at a time. There isn't nothing that I want that I don't already have. You're at peace. You're yeah, still at peace. Yeah, it'll be more of the same. Five years from now, I'll still be dominant. I'll still be tight. I'll still be, my life will still be great. My wife will still be in my corner. My kids will just be a little bigger, but everything is still be rocking, you know, consistent. I need a bit of the juggernaut positivity every day, I think, at this point. Yeah, that's that's what it is, man. It's, it's worth it. Like I say, I have some audio books out. You know, something like that. I'll do, you know, it'll be more more of me. You'll get to see me a lot more. I love it. The last question that I ask everybody on the show is, are you happy today? Yes, I'm very happy today. Yes, I'm very happy. I hope you are too. 
Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And then for the people that are listening, where can everybody find you on the internet? I know it's BKFC, but where can they find like you and your website? If you want to reach out to me, go to www.juggernauthunt.com or you can go to my Instagram, which is The Juggernaut Hunt. You can just put my name in your Google and it'll show you my, you know, my, my business number and you can Google me and hit me up. You can text me. I always text back. If you go to YouTube, you can find me on there, The Juggernaut, same thing, The Juggernaut Hunt and uh, Facebook, Lorenzo Hunt. Like I say, just follow. I like that the people who are interested in it love it. And, you know, if you got any questions, like I said, go to my website. We're rocking. I'm a solid guy. This is me all the time. Really, you know, don't be fooled by the craziness that you see on TV, because like I say, you have to remember someone's trying to hurt me. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. all's fair. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Those, in uh, war and war. Love and war, you know, all's fair. So I'm in there and I might switch. I might get a little crazy, but somebody's trying to hurt me. That's Listen, all I know is you don't get arrested after. So that's what everybody knows. You know, you, you guys, somebody signed up to hurt somebody. Yeah, that, that's wild. And like I said, yeah, I'm, but I'm a solid guy. So if you reach out to me, I'll hit you back. And if you got any questions or concerns, or if you want to tell me your story, if you want to hear mine, yeah, just reach out to me and I'll tell you how I battle with the same struggles that most of you guys do. And again, uh, I wanted to say uh, I'm really proud of you, bro. This has been like a, a lifelong journey for you. And uh, I got to learn about uh, a lot about you through uh, the Math Hoffa show. You were fantastic on that show. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really proud of you. I hope you know that. I've never met you. I hope we get to change that one day. And I just wanted to let you know, just keep going, bro. You're an inspiration to me. Listen, I didn't start doing comedy or having success doing comedy until my mid to late my mid 30s you're an inspiration to me i wish you nothing but the best man you got a fan of me for life i'll be watching and i'll be paying i'll be paying for the pay-per-view listen man like i said if there's anything you ever need yourself and you want to reach out and talk to anybody here we're always welcome to talk to everybody and again i really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today man i really appreciate it i'll see you again sounds good bro Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!